Hello, Dougs. My name is Tyler. And my name is Brooke. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. of you wonderful people out there. We are so thankful that you have rejoined us for another one of these book club episodes, Breaking Down, Tress of the Emerald Sea. We have extended the book club by an episode. We had too much in this last episode planned. We had to split it in twain. Today we are going to be talking all about the sorceress and all of the things that she has and does and getting a little bit of insight into what is going on in the wider Cosmere at this time based on these things. Like she really is this sort of window into what the Cosmere is like at this point in time. And we had our episode last time about Hoyd. And so we thought this matched really well because as we were discussing Hoyd, we really came to find out that Tress of the Emerald Sea is a story about Hoyd becoming an Elantrian and like gaining that. And that's kind of going on in the wider Cosmere, which means that the sorceress, the one he fools, the one who was a little bit too arrogant and a little bit too self-confident and was eventually taken advantage of by Hoyd, that means that her role in the Cosmere is important and significant because she's one of these entities that allows Hoyd to gain more power, and we assume that's going to continue to play dividends down the road. And we've actually seen the Sorceress before. I know, this was a tidbit that I was not quite expecting. So let's break down Rena the Sorceress from Tress of the Emerald Sea and try to get all of the different Cosmere connections, starting with who is Rena or where have we seen Rena before? We see her in Mistborn Secret History. She was one of the five members of the Irie that set out on that expedition to try to capture preservations shard and she is one of the the irie that like escapes and rides off into the cognitive realm uh and here we see her again i was gonna say cognitive sunset but the cognitive realm doesn't really have a sun it's got the weird glowing thing perpetually setting and so i know that mistborn secret history not one of the considered main books or main novels but so many details from that. Remember that the Irie had established kind of a cognitive realm fort or castle that Kelsier needs to sneak into. He's able to get the device from them, which allows him to temporarily hold and access preservation's power, which then he can pass on to Vin in her moment of need. So this makes me think that the Irie is the group that gatekeeps becoming an Elantrian that is mentioned by Hoyd where he is like not only do you have to do all the regular stuff but there's like a a specific group of people that sort of keeps that magic I don't know away or like decides who is able to become an Elantrian seems like that is the Irie. Let's get her physical description we have this quote Her skin glowed, and she had a silvery everescence to her. She was maybe in her 50s. Rather, that was how old she'd been when she'd stopped aging, and she'd come a long way from the withered husk she'd once been. End quote. From this, we can definitely assume she had been part of the riad and the rebirth of Elantris, and we can assume that this puts her at, at minimum... Quite old. Said she was 50 when she stopped (laughs) aging. Yeah, quite old. So 50 when she stopped aging. I consider that 50 when she went or became part of the Rayo. Yes. And then clearly we don't know the amount of time that she was a husk Elantrian. Yeah. And then the moment that the plot point of Elantris takes place and the length of time it has been since that moment, we also don't know. But I'm considering at least hundreds of years. Many hundreds of years, I would say. It's very hard because the timeline, I think, is becoming more solidified in Brandon's mind, but it has been very kind of loosey-goosey up till this point. I mean, I think at least it's like 300 years in between Elantris and like the start of Stormlight. That was our old 
assumption based on yeah, remarks that say... Brandon had made. But we also have from that planet shy making an appearance in Mistborn Era 2. And so now I kind of question oh. everything. If like, is the Rose Empire and that story happening later than Elantris? Are they happening at the same time? Yeah, I think specifically in regards to Case, because she appears as a young girl in Elantris and then appears as a young woman in The Lost Metal. That is like sort of the specific key that Brandon has said, like, yeah, I'm not really sure where the timeline is on that in order to make case this age at this time. So leaving behind the specific age of Rena, we also know that she has changed somewhat in her personality over time as well. Quote, same shape, different soul. No jovial playfulness. Instead, a cold monster. Some scholars say that when you become an immortal like the sorceress or me, your soul gets replaced with something new, like the fossilization process. In her case, in lieu of a soul, the woman had pure ice, kept cold and frozen by her heart, end quote. Got some sick burns coming <laughs> yeah. in from Hoyd. I find this to be a significant line or a significant line of thought that Hoyd is introducing because he says, when you become an immortal like the sorceress or me, and I think we could also lump in the many type 2 invested entities or just long-lived individuals, including Kelsey or Thydekar, the Heralds, and mm. several of the other immortal beings that we have discussed and seen in different stories, that there is this question of like, what happens to your soul? Vasher's focus on his little rock, his little stone, and kind of the wariness that he seems to have, the heralds mentally breaking down in the exact way that they used to be elevated for. I imagine something similar might be happening with the sorceress, a decay. I think there's a difference there because Hoyd and the sorceress have never died. They are not type 2 invested entities. That's and correct. So I think, yeah. yeah, I think there is a pretty solid line in between those two groups like what what is the difference between being a person who has just been alive for mm -hmm. hundreds or in Hoyd's case like thousands plus years versus a type 2 invested entity which is like a whole different thing where your soul is persisting in some way after death so i think there is a difference but it's definitely an interesting question of just what does it do to you to be around for that long? I mean, think about how much we change just in a typical lifespan, right? Like you're certainly not the same person at 80 as you were at 20. And then if you multiply that, magnify that over many, many decades, many hundreds of years, like, wow. I also believe that the impact of being outside the norm so if this Elantrian is, let's say, just 300 years old, but everybody else is dying between 50 and 100 mm, in their mortal yeah, lifespan, I think that adds to the fact when you can see and watch everybody else get old and die, yeah. even if you are a magical you know, Elantrian immortal being, there is probably an aspect of one's own personal psychology that like feeds in or reinforces, hey, I should be decaying. Something is kind of wrong here. And then that mm. unlinks you in a way from the trajectory that you could have been on, which I think is why this concept of, you know, her soul being replaced or fossilized with pure ice may be a preservation mechanism. Like you can't be what you were at 20 when you're now a 300 year old <laughs> yeah. Elantrian. Yeah. You have to be something different. She seems to be really afraid of death as well. She is extremely risk averse, proven by the fact that she has been alive, as Hoyd says, for, quote, a very, very long time, end quote, which coming from Hoyd, like, I think means something more than if a regular person said she's been alive for a very long time. And that that is because of her extreme caution. Mm-hmm. He says, quote, she'd come to this planet because nothing here could threaten her. Then she'd found a dragon living here. And then I'd arrived, end quote. Certainly a meaningful 
hint there, part of the unraveling of the sorceress power is going to be Hoyd and Tress and the, the story that we read. But I imagine a world filled with so much danger would maybe not seem like a perfect place to go. But there's a lot of world hoppers, even outside just the sorcerer. There's a lot of people coming to Lumar. And I wonder if the initial urge to come to Lumar was primarily because of the lack of a shard. Yeah, that's what I would say. It's not a shard world, and the Aethers are not typical Aethers that grant powers in the way that normal Aethers would. And so it seems like the perfect place where she can come, and as we'll talk about in just a moment, she has many different types of shard magic uh, at her disposal, and so she can rule these people and be the most powerful thing on the planet and with all that power we know that she stays functionally isolated so she does not take over this planet like a conquering hero yeah and she's really just like a hermit and is like just leave me alone i think (laughs) that might be fair like that's that could be a thing that we should grant the immortal beings if they just want to be left alone and are hyper cautious like that's okay it's (laughs) Way better than being the conquering murderer That's dictator true. type That's of true. individual. That's true. So, like, hats off to you in that one regard. Unfortunately, it seems her isolation also made her vulnerable to the hoidiness problem. <laughs> yeah, that technical uh, condition. Yeah, it's a difficult condition to overcome. And, of course, Hoid also wants to manipulate that situation so he can become an Elantrian. But the magic of Elantris, the Aeon Door, and the connection to the Aeon Door is just the beginning of Rena's power. So let's kind of dive into all of the different examples of magic or investiture that we see from Rena in Trust of the Emerald Sea. Obviously, from the beginning, as an Elantrian, she is able to use Aeon Door. We mostly see that in this book uh, in the curse. She uses Aeon Door to curse Hoid and attempts to use it to curse Tress. Oh, and of course she uses it on Huck slash Charlie. And we learn this about this type of curse. Quote, I can't break a curse unless the terms are met. It's impossible. Tress looked to me. There were ways, but the sorceress probably wasn't capable of them. So I nodded. It was true enough. End quote. I thought this was really interesting that not even the sorceress is able to change or stop a curse once she has put it on someone. It is like set in stone sort of, or she thinks it is anyway. Hoyd, I am very curious how he has this knowledge that even the sorceress doesn't have, that there are other ways to change or stop the curse. He ends up just changing, modifying Huck's curse a bit. He says that it is possible to stop it, end it, but that because he has only just become an Elantrian, he doesn't quite have the experience necessary in that moment. But it is possible, which I find very interesting. I think this is an example of... The different scale of these beings and a different understanding than someone post-shattering can really have compared to someone pre-shattering. Mm. There has to be some Maybe. aspect that those 17 individuals are more capable of understanding simply because they were around longer than all of the beings that came afterwards. I think it's kind of a situation where the Elantrin is playing with magic that they don't fully understand and therefore they can't understand what is capable. I think that what we may have here is an example of like within the bounds of Aeon Door and the curses that this Elantrian is using, they cannot change the curse. But if they only understood that you could go deeper or somehow access more broadly investiture across the Cosmere, then it could be changed. But she's not playing on that fundamental level. She's only playing with the Aeon Door itself. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that Hoyd would be using 
a different type of investiture to end the curse. Because he specifically says he can't do it just because he's not familiar enough with Aeon Dor at the time. And I think part of it is probably just his age, like you're saying, the fact that he's been around for so long. But not only has he been around for a long time, he's used all of that time to investigate and learn about all of the different types of investiture. I wonder if it has anything to do with languages where there are root languages. Let's take Latin for a lot of the European romance languages. With Latin as its base, that would be something that Hoyd would know and understand, being Mm -hmm. the older entity. And then the sorceress is using something like French. And so while Hoyd has a really good understanding of that base language, the base magic, he doesn't fully understand French. He can like mm. get some of the words, he can get some of the the feeling or the concepts, but he doesn't have mastery over the French or Aeon Dor language to yeah, the point. Yeah, maybe. I am only introducing that concept because I think that understanding languages and like how there are limits to languages might be important for another aspect we discuss of the sorceress's power later. One more thing to note about the use of Aeon Dor here is that it, at least in some way, operates the spaceship slash tower, which we are going to talk all about in just a moment. But I just want to bring up a couple of other magic systems that the sorceress has access to, starting with Awakening. She has the ability to awaken, and we see this most prominently in the soldiers outside of her tower. They're described as a legion of golden metal men that are like standing in ranks around her tower. They're equipped with spears and shields, and they stand perfectly still. Obviously, this seems to be a new iteration of Khaled's phantoms brought into the modern world in metal. I certainly think that's the vibe or the vibe that I got from this standing, waiting army that is lifeless in a respect, but seemingly of gold instead of stone. Obviously, just finishing the Lost Metal and talking about that in so much detail, we discussed a lot the men of red and gold Mm, and the soldiers that we speculated on the main feed were some type of combo army or like using multiple different sources uh, for their... They could be literally anything. We have no idea, but this is now another army. So is it a competing force? Is it a personal, Mm. like private military just of the... Is she working with autonomy? Did autonomy use her army or maybe the Elantrian's army more broadly to create their own? Is there a sharing of Mm. knowledge of how to create these things? Or are they literally the same army? That's kind of my question. Right. Like, did Rena do a favor for autonomy in exchange for a legion of autonomy's army? Which we would assume she then took to hide and, like, protect herself. So, like, I'll do this one thing for you. Maybe, like, give your military some Elantrian magic or technology understanding and you give me a lifeless army that can protect me in my isolation seems like that could be an exchange it definitely jumps out at me all this you know yeah golden men standing like a (laughs) military ready to fight it makes me think of the these ones are not described as having red eyes Mm -hmm. maybe that's just because they're not under autonomy's power and not corrupted yeah there's a possibility of perhaps a shared system going on. So the army itself is awakened. Think of like robot army. But then the golden aspect maybe comes from the Elantrian. Like they are powered by Elantrian magic, giving them a golden Hmm. hint. Maybe. I'm also curious what this metal is and if it has any relevance to like metallurgic powers that may be happening you I know like d- when you're creating your awakened army doesn't matter what metal you use do different metals give different attributes to that army i would think yes so i'm curious what this would mean for this awakened army 
And I want to be clear, the line from the text does say golden metal and not like glowing gold. It's, oh, it's yes. different from a light source. It does seem that the metal itself is golden. Let's go to this next quote about specifically about that color as well. Quote, the color of burnished brass. Each one was seven feet tall and carrying a spear with a glistening tip. They were an intimidating sight. Their instructions carefully conveyed by the sorceress when breathing life into them, were complex, careful, and meticulous, end quote. Certainly, it pays to be careful and meticulous when you're creating a superpowered magical army. And so uh, just to go back to the color, it says here, Mm -hmm. the color of burnished brass, which is a little bit of a different color from actual gold metal. So to your point, it is like gold ish in color but we are not told that they are made out of gold so questions as to whether they are made out of brass or is it something else now just a hypothetical connection like you mentioned to metallurgy and scandrial brass is the metal used for soothing and part of emotional allomancy i don't necessarily think that's in play but I just wanted to throw out like what you it would be. Brass. I mean, that would be an effective way to deter anyone, exactly. right? If you like don't even have to fight them, you just take away their desire to fight. And then yeah. you're like, cool, neutralized the threat. <laughs> and if it was part of amplifying or, or maybe reducing another form of magic, like part of the awakening. Oh, sure. Because we don't really know how... The metals react with every other type of investiture. We've seen a little bit of it in Fabrials on Rashar. We've seen a little bit of how it affects different Fabrials on Scadrial, mm-hmm. but we don't know precisely how it affects. Well, and we see it on Lumar with controlling the spores. But it's going to be a little bit different with everything else. So if this metal is interacting with Elantrian magic also, that is in there on top of the awakening like who knows right there could be so many things interacting and going on in these constructions yeah at least wanted to point out you know what it would be if it was brass if that's the word we got from the text (laughs) and we just applied this is what brass is in the rest of the cosmere something to think about more than anything else yeah okay so let's get into the fact that they are awakened as you mentioned they have these very careful and meticulous commands that they've been given. The sorceress, theoretically, I guess, has breath. I'm curious if she actually has Nalthian breath or if she's able to use other investiture like Aeondor as a substitute for breath to achieve the same results well post lost metal brandon has said now more than once that unkeyed aeon door the yeah tank of light and seeming liquid that was used in the lost metal is one of the best sources of investiture magic even surpassing something like stormlight because of the unkeyed nature i think not necessarily just in terms of power mm. but if she had unkeyed aeon door i think you could make the argument that that could become any or yeah. fuel for any type of magic system yeah so absolutely i do think that an awakening could theoretically be fueled by instead of breath unkeyed aeon door yeah any type of pure investiture i would expect would be able to do any type of magic. I think that because we see a few times Rena using the power of commands, capital C commands in her magic, not only with these awakened soldiers, but also with the midnight aether mm-hmm. creatures that also need to be sort of given commands in order to operate in the way that you want them to. And I think that she is set up particularly well for these command types of magics by coming from the Elantrian magic in the first place, which is very sort of procedure and 
language, like you said, language based Mm -hmm. where you always have to be very mindful of what you're putting where, how things are referencing each other, which then translates into being able to make these very complex, careful, meticulous commands in other magic systems. Yes, we've talked previously. And again, Brandon has mentioned how Aeon Door is most akin to a programming language here on Earth. And I think that that's why I would put Nalthian and Selish magic systems as the most closely related, even though all of them share many aspects. I think that a specific programming language used on Cell and a more naturalistic breath-based language used on Nalthus are very closely linked. And so definitely I think she is set up maybe more than anyone else to have a great understanding of how to use breaths and how to maybe take advantage of kind of the loopholes that exist there. Well, we're seeing over and over again that this concept of command and an exchange is very relevant to it seems all of the magic systems in the Cosmere. We are first introduced to it on Nalthus, mm-hmm. but I think as we've gone through the books, it keeps coming up over and over again, the role of command, the role of intent being global, not just confined to the Nalthian magic system. I think that's probably going to be true of characteristics of like all of the magics. We're going to start to see that different aspects of them are true universally and not only specifically in regards to like awakening being close to computer programming we actually get a quote about that specifically quote even a semi self-aware construct like an awakened soldier relies on its instructions they're far more versatile than something running on a traditional computer program but they're also not fully alive end quote This is where we are going to start to run into some of the Tyler problems that exist, because I don't want to go too (laughs) deep down this rabbit hole, but I find this highly stimulating, just kind of uh, shot right to my brain. And so I've gone on a couple of rabbit holes that I then reference with Brooke off mic, and she's like, that's too deep. We don't need to talk (laughs) about that on the podcast. But the concept we have here, an awakened soldier is semi-self-aware. I believe that this is because they were once a actual mortal being, that a body uh, or some aspect of similarity to a body is used in their creation. Mm, Because like Colin's phantoms had bones in the And so the bones would be the thing that is like referencing the original person. Right. Okay. Maybe the metal soldiers we see here also have bones or or some other aspect of a real person was used to create them. I'm curious if they've come up with a way to do it without bones. I would hope so. Yeah. But I think that because of this quote, semi-self-aware, the answer is no. I think the semi-self-aware is just referencing the fact that they are endowed with so much investiture that it's a little bit like something like a spren or a seon mm-hmm. where they not to the same extent because they are semi self-aware not fully self-aware but like maybe like an early spren a wind spren and right a lower a yes. lower spren yeah that's my thought that it's not necessarily referencing any type of human you know physicality mm-hmm. in the metal but simply that part of this exchange as we've now seen multiple times obviously the primary example is on Rashar with the spren bond but then we see it earlier in this book tress with the midnight aether having a more mild version of that exchange of water for some semi self-awareness and we actually we've got some quotes about that coming up our next episode so we'll talk about that a little bit more But this idea of exchange for a little bit of awareness is where my mind goes when I read this quote. I think that's another possibility because we have clearly talked a lot about enough investiture left alone for a long enough period of time does become self-aware in the Cosmere. Yeah. And where I think this quote points us to is that concept of being more versatile than something running on a traditional computer program. This is not, these soldiers are not simply 
running a computer program where they have lines of code and they follow exactly the lines of code. And if one of those lines of code is wrong, they'll break. They don't have a way to correct, modify, change, adapt in any way where the lifeless, including Claude from Warbreaker, we see actually maintain some of their skills and their abilities Mm -hmm. from before their death, before their awakening. I wonder, too, if that is what we're seeing here, is that a soldier Mm. just built on a computer program or, you know, an awakened computer program, without that connection to a real physical body, maybe one that was a soldier in a prior life, is going to lack the versatility that you would actually want. I don't know if Mm. a computer program can be written to create these awakened soldiers yeah it's it's interesting because on one hand this quote makes me think that they are kind of ai on this world that they are like a computer program but they're more versatile than a computer program right they can do a little bit more than a typical thing so it would it's like asking chat gpt a question instead of asking google a question you're going to get different types of responses in those scenarios. However, as you're saying, the soldiers having the ability to like, quote unquote, think Mm -hmm. outside of their programming is refuted by the text because in the text, when the crew arrives at the island and are throwing the vine vine bombs and then the soldiers are all tied up, it specifically says they get also mentally tied up in their programming of like, if this happens, I'm supposed to do this. But if this happens, I'm supposed to do this opposite thing. And they can't find a way out of this conundrum. And so they just freeze Mm -hmm. because they can't do any of the things that their programming is telling them to do. So they might be more versatile, but they're not that versatile. That's true. I think that they're certainly not capable of general intelligence as we would call it here on earth they have some type of programming and that programming gets locked up which points more to a reliance on the programming than on some type of connection to your old human self and that's why i'm thinking like chat gpt might be more versatile than something else but it's still not able to think and do things like a human it is still restricted by a lot of other factors well 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 this is when we get into the real (laughs) deep hole that tyler can go down no don't go there yet (laughs) tell us about the last bit of magic that we see on display by the sorceress yes the last piece is light weaving which she uses to put an illusion on the fake charlie it is specifically called in the text light weaving However, I have a question if this is stormlight light weaving or maybe it is a different kind of light weaving like the Yolish light weaving that Hoyd uses. It just seems it, it doesn't strike me that Rena is the kind of person who would want or could get a spren bond. Mm-hmm. Although this far in the future of the Cosmere, presumably, there could be a different way of getting those powers that doesn't involve a spren bond so maybe she's got some type of fabriel that gives her that surge yeah remember when we discussed nikki savage and her meeting with nas they were hunting a compass right and that compass we speculated could have been a fabriel for the surge of transportation yeah and so maybe rena has access to something like that a fabriel for the surge of illusion yeah and so it's maybe limited in its abilities but can be told you know make a fake charlie in this instance although that was a really convincing charlie which to me points more towards a mastery of the ability something more akin to what we see Shalon do in the battle. But maybe you don't have to master it if you have a Fabriel. Like the Fabriel can just give you level five light weaving without having to go through the process of leveling up and practicing, et cetera, et cetera. That would be dope for the people who just get the technology. Yeah, seriously. Bummer for Shalon. I do question the aspect because I think charlie in the story he did have a physical body like he could be touched by 
Tress, right? Yes, but this is just an illusion put on an existing physical being. So it would be more like the light weaving on top of a real person. Right. Like Shalon does exactly. with a veil or something yeah. akin to that. Okay, that would be different than what I was thinking as the problem with this where yeah, like Shalon creating is creating a fully the fully solid. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think that would be beyond a fat reel because it requires two surges and a whole bunch of intent and practice. So if you just had an illusion that had physical form, that I think would require mastery, but maybe just cloaking, a cloaking type of device would be a cool fabrial. Yeah. Okay. Let's dive even deeper into all of the technology that the sorceress has at her disposal. Let's start with the big one, her ship, spaceship, spaceship. It's so exciting. I love that you just went full in with just cheering the spaceship itself. (laughs) We started in a mythical, maybe medieval fantasy setting in a lot of these Cosmere stories. Scadrial, Rashar, even something like Elantris had a medieval fantasy vibe. And it's very clear for a long time, but definitely that Brandon is moving us more to science fiction. And in the far future, we're going to have a bunch of different types of spaceships. There has been a released I don't even want to call it a novella. It's very short. A reading was done by Brandon from a scene that he is planning for the sequel to Six of the Dusk. And in that, we didn't see in detail spaceships, but we knew that people had arrived on that planet via spaceships. Space suits. Yeah. And the way that this is developing is incredibly exciting. Let's get the description that we have from the text. Quote, she'd entered an all-metal corridor decorated only by a red carpet down the middle like a tongue. It was inlaid with symbols that a well-traveled person would recognize as aeonic. At the top, a door opened on its own, sliding into the side. Because the sorceress had very particular ideas about what the interior of this kind of vessel should be like. End quote. And then we also get a description that the floor of the ship has a map of the planet Lumar inscribed into it. I find it funny and interesting that the sorceress has very particular ideas about what her spaceship should be like. And to me, that says that she is copying someone else's construction. That's the vibe that I got too, which struck me as strange. Like, why would she have an idea of what the interior of this kind of vessel, this kind of vessel being a spaceship, should look like unless she was not the creator of this vessel. She was copying it, as you said. It makes me think that perhaps the spaceship technology is Skadrian in its origin. Yeah, yeah. And that she is merely borrowing that ship and... Kind of I like, don't think she's borrowing a ship, but I think she's seen a Scadrian spaceship mm-hmm. and then, you know, commissioned her own and yes, was like, to be this like is that. what it needs to look like. Okay. I like this because we had been a lack of Scadrian obvious magic. And I would love <laughs> if the ship itself was Scadrian Based design. Yes. Yeah. Although her ship does definitely seem to run on Aeon door. It said that it has a soul, and it is unclear if that soul is something like a Sion from Elantris. We don't see anything that can really be described like that on Scadrial. So maybe it's a situation where she sees the ship, she creates her own, but she is using her own magic to power it. That makes sense to me, especially with these aeonic symbols and the map on the floor being inscribed. I feel like that is perfectly in line with what we know about the Aeon Door magic being very geographic and connected to a place. And I wonder if the reason that she put the map of Lumar on her ship was so that her ship would work on Lumar. We talked about this a little bit previously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The concept that she needs to get the Aeon door convinced via different programming, the carving 
of the map that it is on sell or that magic is allowed to be accessed because there isn't yeah. any sellish magic that we know of just like there's no aeon door hanging out on lumar so she has to be somehow connected to or pulling from cell and i think this map has something to do with that like we talked about in uh the lost metal with moonlight who also has to draw a map of i can't remember if she does it of all of scadrial or if it's just the Elendel basin that she draws but she also has to draw a map to sort of address herself for the Aeon door to say like, hello, this is where I am. Send me your magic, please. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming it's the same thing uh, here with the sorceress. Another interesting tidbit is that Huck says she stands on top of her ship slash tower in the evenings, quote, to commune with the moons, end quote. I don't think she's actually communing with the moons, but what is she doing? Why do we think she stands on top of her ship every night? On Lumar, we know that the moons are the source of the spores, that the spores seemingly come raining down from the moons. And we have speculated that the moons are the actual home of these different aether types. Yeah, exactly. Each moon has uh, its deviant aether that lives on the moon and then sends its little spores out to give it water basically okay so with that knowledge as our basis saying that she communes with the moons may be a way of hinting that there needs to be some type of cooperation between the sorceress and the aethers functionally like allowing her presence Hmm. to be accepted on this planet I don't know about that i what's she communing with other than the aethers well is she communing with anything at all i mean it's just and a she question could just be of hanging out on why, the top of yeah the why is she standing up there i think mm. she, that she is communing with something so maybe it's simply i need a clear view of the night sky so my satellites can beam <laughs> messages back to cell but you know communing with the moons the moons are something they are a sentient thing yeah in the form and you of the think she has some special ability to be able to mentally communicate with aethers that no one else has. I mean, I think there's lots of things that people do on Lamar to commune or communicate with the ace with the aethers. The most advanced simply being a spore eater who's a direct connection to an aether. But yeah, I think that there could be some type of cooperation or like tactic agreement between the aethers and the sorceress i just i think that the aethers are more impactful than the people of lumar give them credit for oh for sure i find it hard to believe that she's got some type of working relationship with the aethers i do wonder if she's maybe trying to access the aether power She seems to be doing a very Hoid-like thing of accumulating a lot of different magic systems. So maybe she's trying to get Aether power too. Yeah. Or this is completely wrong. And this is just like a a moment of vulnerability for Rena as she like stands and looks romantically up at the sky and like thinks about all that she's lost and her hundreds of years of life. And it's nothing magic at all. She could conceivably (laughs) simply be looking at cell right theoretically cell exists Toward in the night sky sure well, yeah but we know that the cosmere exists in a dwarf galaxy theoretically you would at least be able to see the sun if you knew exactly where to look you could be like that sun is yeah. where cell revolves around yeah maybe she's just you know homesick, homesick. <laughs> i like i like giving rena A little bit of a softer side. She's not just ice and coldness. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about what's inside her ship. A lot of computers. We see her with a laptop, which Hoyd then sort of like record scratches like, I mean, magical board, not a laptop. It is a little like weird or I found it a little jarring to see this type of Earth-like technology show up in a Cosmere book. Like, I was I was not ready 
for it. I'm not fully prepared for the Cosmere to transition into sci-fi. Now, we had already seen Fort's device, which was described as Nalthian tech. Yes. Seemingly more along the iPad route than uh, the laptop that Rena has. But both are immensely powerful tools. Rena seems to be so advanced, though, that she is like playing a game of solitaire on it. You yeah. know, it's developed to the point of being used casually as our computers are. I mean, are. it is nothing like anything we've seen in the Cosmere so far. It's completely just out there down the road in terms of technological advancement, especially when you consider that Scadrial and Taldane were like just said to have firearms before everyone else. Right. They were the most advanced planets at the time of the Lost Metal yeah. in the entire Cosmere, and they had gotten up to the point of firearms and basic electricity. Yeah. I mean, I think that there is going to be a pretty big difference in technological advancement and the rate of technological advancement in the Cosmere versus Earth because of investiture. Of course. And in my opinion, most technological advances are not going to be electronic tech. It's going to be investiture tech. This is maybe where we have some differences. I think that there's a lot of room here for what we would just call regular technology, electronic-based technology. And I have some evidence, some, some word of Brandon quotes on that. But basically, we have a computer that's able to do a variety of different things. Like I said, play games, keep you entertained. It also has some type of voice recognition and video conferencing, a Zoom-like ability. Yeah. So it is versatile. It's not narrowly restricted like a single device or having a single ability, which does seem to be a little bit more of what's going on with Fort's, I'll call it iPad. But tell oh. me a little bit about Fort's device. Well, we find out that Fort's device is it, much more versatile exactly. than we thought. I mean, he only uses it for like what he needs it for. He's not necessarily trying to experiment with it. And so it's not until the very end that we realize and Fort realizes that it can be used for more. So I think that is, you know, jury's out on on that specific quality. But Ford's communication device specifically is said to be Nalthian technology, which is absolutely fascinating. Quote, I've always wondered who traded the device to Ford. That's Nalthian tech with awakened predictive connection circuits. End quote. Let's. Holy moly. The spiral now begins. We have awakened predictive connection circuits connection being capital, capital a C. awakened capital c connection perfect and to me the most important circuits a circuit is a pathway think of like a race car track you know it goes around in a circle the circuit must be connected in order for the information the electricity the water or the magic to be completed here we have awakened predictive connection circuits i think that this is somewhat like the text predictions that you may have on your phone. Uh -huh. You start typing something or in Google Gmail, you start writing a message and it auto completes and you can, you know, just tab over and have the full sentence completed. And it's doing that based on your own writing style, the messages that you have written previously, but also everybody else's messages. So that predictive element but all of that could be accomplished theoretically with just electronic technology. Here we have very clearly awakening Nalthian powers in order to help Ford with this communication ability. I'm over here just like moving my <laughs> fingers together and trying to think all of this out. But I believe that we have, as you were saying, magic intertwining with electronic technology. I that don't think that this is electronic at all. I think it is fully investiture technology. We even hear that quote, I have to leave it out in the sun once a week or it stops working. Right, because it's solar powered. Electricity. Well, because awakening magic relies on color, which is what? Light wavelengths. That's really good. And actually, if the if anyone in the Cosmere was going to develop 
solar power and solar energy, it definitely should be the Nalthinians. Yeah. So my thought is, I don't know how this is actually possible in any way because I don't know how computers work. But my thought is that rather than our technology, which has like a on-off, yes-no type base function, perhaps Nalthian technology is using different wavelengths of light for different things. So the base is like green, red, yellow, blue, purple, etc. And then it can do different things based on those different wavelengths of light. I am so glad that you are just leading me down the path that I want to go. I felt felt like I was going to have to force you (laughs) down this path because you are starting to get into the programming language. Instead of binary, which is what we operate on, Mm -hmm. ones and zeros, you're talking about a different type of base programming language that operates on color and light. Very intriguing, a little bit quantum, just to throw out fun buzzwords that everybody likes. But I think that we should go to another couple of quotes. First, quote, its magic won't respond to anyone other than me, end quote. Now another, quote, the board anticipated his needs, giving likely options. It worked with supernatural speed, seeming to anticipate his very thoughts, end quote. I think this is partially the capital C connection. Yes, definitely. Like in some way, it it has been keyed to Fort, but then it also, in my opinion, must be like exporting a burst of connection to the world around him in order to translate what is being said. I don't necessarily know if it would need to burst out to everyone else, kind of like a Bluetooth. Uh-huh. I don't necessarily know if it would need to do that because it can go through Fort. It has a connection to Fort. And Fort is connected to everyone around him. Mm, Capital C connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. But then there also seems to be an aspect of capital I identity as well in it being attached in some way to Fort specifically. I do think that there is a a hacking element or the possibility of it being hacked, corrupted, taken away. Oh, yes, of course, because we see the sorceress. The sorceress hacks it. Exactly. So the identity could just be like putting a password on a computer, but the base structure of the computer can be operated for anyone or by anyone. And if you know how to get past the first password, then a hacker could be in there like the sorceress was. The concept of it being supernaturally fast, to me, computers are supernaturally fast. So I don't necessarily think that that has to be magic in its supernatural ability well yeah it's using capital c connection instead of electricity so it's instantaneous instead of needing to wait the split second for like actual hardware to do a thing okay and this is interesting i don't necessarily think that the connection or even the magic is the power source or even the base level of this technology i think exactly using connection you're saying that like the magic is doing everything that electricity would be doing and i'm saying that there is a base level of technology like a fabrial that is using investiture nalthinian scadrian whatever and it is still operationally and functionally coming from a base of technology rather than just being a complete magic device. Well, there is obviously hardware. Like you had to put the physical pieces together in a certain way in order to conduct the investiture in a certain way. I'm saying but the this circuits. is exactly like the medallions on mm-hmm. schedule. You put on a medallion, you immediately, instantaneously, and seamlessly can speak and understand a language that is not yours. That's exactly what's happening here. Like, There is no electricity needed. Seemingly no electricity needed. And I believe that's a a misdirect in many ways, that the medallions are more of a pure magical device. But in the future, everything is going to be a combination of normal devices, regular devices, and magic. I 100% disagree. 
it'll be fun to see. Obviously, this is just speculation. I don't have any evidence of anything. But let's go to this line from Hoyt. Quote, if I'd been in my right mind, I'd have realized ages ago that the security protocols were off by default, letting the things be hacked quite easily. End quote. So not only do we have a magical device, but we have a magical device that has really basic security protocols, just like your computer would a simple like, you know, click this button if you want complete privacy, click this button if you want a little bit of privacy, and just down the a list of things that you can switch on and off at your choosing or at the user's choosing. All of this, to me, is pointing to a complexity that exists that is beyond the magic systems. The variety of different things that we've seen here, a security system, your, your Windows Defender, game and multiple different types of games being possible, video conferencing, all of the different aspects are different programs running on a computer. Yes, but through magic. Can be aided by magic no. in the same way <laughs> that our computers can be aided by different bits and different advancements in technology. Yeah, like I said, there is clearly hardware here. There is something that has been built similar to our computers. However, all of the programs, all of the power going into it is magic. I think that's the point of the Cosmere. That's the point of taking us from the earlier magical societies and bringing them into a sci-fi-like world is to say, how would this happen if it wasn't Earth technology? How would we use these magical systems to create something like we have on Earth? It's not the same, but how would it work? How would Aeon Door be used to write a video conferencing platform? Like, that's the interesting thing to me i don't i think it's the most boring answer is that it's just like technology on earth with a little bit of magical augmentation well you heard it here first folks i am basic because i think straight i think that the lack of incorporation of electricity which they already have access to on skadriel this is your worst take you, the patrons, you, the fans, are welcome to let us know what you think, because I would at least put a couple of dollar dollar bills on this gamble right now, because... I hate this more than your obsession with fungus. That is saying a lot, because I have been banned from talking about <laughs> fungus. I think the fact that they already have electricity on Scadrial, it would be the dumbest thing in the history of the Cosmere, if everyone looked at electricity and went, nah, we don't need it. They don't need it, but though. But they do because no. it's electricity. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they don't need it. Think about Elantris. You don't need lights because you just draw an Aeon on the wall and it lights up. You don't need cars because you just draw an yep. Aeon and you're transport. Like, you yep. don't need it. There is nothing that you need electricity no, for. This is why all of those societies are limited is because oh, their magic systems... because system, they made it to space. No, because their magic systems are retarding their growth without the magic Only systems. Only by our standards. That's a very Earthian I point of view. Earthian. Yeah, you're very... Uh, Team Earth, You're guys. being really Earth first right now. <laughs> very Earth first. <laughs> you're judging them based on our standards. They but they're might... their standards too, because there is there are many people across the Cosmere who are quote-unquote normies. There are more normies than there are magic users. Yeah, but there are also more normies here on Earth than there are computer geniuses but we all benefit from the computer geniuses work just like everyone else on the planet is going to benefit from investiture people's work and we have already seen over and over and over again that investiture is going to start becoming democratized and put into these types of devices so that even quote-unquote normies will have the power of investiture and or investiture is being unkeyed so that mm -hmm. anyone can use it strong agree love it can we play a little bit from words of brandon i would love you to play the questioner whose name is droga 
Crollo, and I will be playing Brandon Sanderson. Begin. Okay, I've got a question about Aeon Door. Okay. So it's a lot like functional programming. Yes. And my question is, could you write a higher level language of programming with that? Yes. Oh. Mm, but only an Elantrian could make it work, right? Not compile, but could execute the function. They would have to type it out and execute it. Like if you were just, even if you just gave it to them, they would have to retype it and go, uh, but yes, yes, you could. Couldn't you like, is there an Aeon for define definition? So you could go and define some really long sequence of Aeons and then assign it to a simple shape. Right. And then draw the symbol and it would work. Right, right. Object oriented. This is realistically plausible. You would have to write all this stuff and call the function and have this constantly in a state of kinetic investiture. But that is reasonable. I mean, it's not so far off from things that actually did with much fewer, much fewer lines of code, if you wish, in the past. It's what Elantris itself was, end quote. To me, this line is really important. This line of thought is really important that what the questioner is asking about is can you have an end symbol that actually means a bunch of lines of code yeah that's referencing a bunch of other things exactly and so you could have an end function that was really really complicated but based on the base code of aeon door which is simplistic yeah aeon door is like our binary ones and zeros on and off switches, but from that, you can develop our modern computers with advanced programming languages. Mm -hmm. Brandon is saying this is something akin to what they had and what made Elantris operate. I think it's also similar to what makes the siblings' tower operate. Remember, there's a bunch mm. of different aspects of the siblings' tower that they haven't fully unlocked yeah. and that are hinting at far more complex things. I think elevators are the most like basic one that they try to get operational. Yeah. But there's a bunch of stuff from plumbing to the gardens and those aspects. But the sibling's tower is based upon a sentient spren creature, whereas the Elantrians are based on the Aeon door through the development into a programming language, for lack of a better word is my theory that Elantris and maybe the sorceress's ship, maybe the device that she's using, the laptop device that she is using, is the end result of taking the base programming language of Aeon Door and advancing it to the point when it has a computer language that you are able to, as you were saying, write any program that you want. Yeah, absolutely. You like it because it supports your idea? Yeah. Here's where I want to then immediately undercut that. Pull that <laughs> okay. rug right out from under your very sturdy, confident feet. Go for it. I think that once you get to a point in your programming language beyond the binary, you've actually jumped the shark, so to speak. Remember earlier in the episode when you said that the soldiers may be a form of like artificial intelligence, more yeah. capable and versatile. Artificial intelligence right now, as we understand it, is incredibly stupid because it is based only upon binary programming languages. All it's doing is saying yes, no, yes, no, billions or trillions of times until the end result is something that you like, you, the user, accept. And then when you accept it, it looks backwards and says, okay, all of those switches that we threw for yes, no, to create a picture or create a block of text. It's just guessing using on and off switches, the ones and zeros. It's actually brute forcing something that we humans have developed programming languages to do easier and more simply. For example, I'll just throw out a number. For an AI system that exists right now to understand the rules of a complex game like chess or Go, it can take a million pages of binary code to try to explain those rules. And then the AI system will run through that billions of time in order to get to a point when it can actually start playing the game of chess or Go. 
for a human to write in a programming language like Python, the rules of Go, can take a single page. We are better at humans. I think all the people in the Cosmere are better at creating more advanced languages and interpretations than these magic systems would allow for at their base level. I think the advancement that is possible really comes from taking the base level that exists, the base investiture that exists in all these places, and combining, improving upon it, and not getting tied down to one concept of like, oh, this is Aeondor magic at its height or at its full power. No, I think there's maybe a little bit of Aeon door magic, like a computer has a little bit of electricity, but that's not the thing that makes a computer a computer. Nobody cares that this big box is run by electricity. It's what you can do with the programming languages and all of the different technology that's developed after that fact. And so there's my my big pitch is that well, yeah, I mean, you're still saying that the programs and everything are being written with magic, with Aeon Door. No, I'm saying that the Aeon Door is like binary code and the security system, the games, the uh, video conferencing program, their Zoom, all of that is just being written in a normal programming language. Isn't it just as possible that they are using exactly what that word of Brandon said? That a they function? are. Yeah. That they have built more advanced programming languages that they are using to build their more advanced technology. I think a function is still based upon the base code that you're working from. So it's still using a bunch of ones and zeros, a bunch of on and off switches, and you're just running a bunch of on and off switches that you want in a specific order to get your end result function. That's what Brandon is talking about. He's saying you can create a function that has a bunch of stuff behind it. But what I'm saying is that you can create a language that is far more efficient and better than that function or the base language behind it. Am I making any sense at all or have I lost you? No, I feel like we're saying the same thing. Okay, well, let's throw it out to the fans because I think that this is maybe an important question, an important distinction in the Cosmere community. Where would you fall on this spectrum between technology by magic or my concept of technology using all of the base principles that we know here on earth incorporating the magic across the cosmere you can also you know send us emails i know people like that as well cosmere convo at gmail.com brooke are there any other ways that you want to call me basic in this episode <laughs> No, I think I'm good. I've ma I've made my points. I think you have too. And I think they're strong ones. I really like the concept of light being used in the technology. I think there could be more to that than we fully understand or even I understand because I don't understand quantum multiple <laughs> positions, blah, 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 blah. Maybe one of you out there does and you can reach out and explain everything to us. Yeah. Tell us all the ways that we're dum-dums. That's my favorite. Brooke, can you take us away? Until next time, life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. 